The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about a report that we've recently released that's actually the second version of a report that we released last year, which is an update to our voice assistant benchmark. And, you know, we always thought it was funny that you talk to these voice assistants like Amazon's Alexa or Apple Siri or Microsoft's Cortana or Google's Home, Google Assistant device. And, you know, sometimes they give remarkably good answers and good results, and sometimes they just don't, right? Right. And sometimes they give... I'll say interesting results as well. You're like, why would you give this as an answer? Sometimes if you ask if black is a color of the rainbow or something, it talks about black and like how my soul is black. I'm like, okay, (laughs) Yeah, going off on a tangent there. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that my child thinks it's funny, but... (laughs) Yeah, and what we realized is that we know that the technology that powers these voice assistants, there's actually like two parts, right? There's the part that like tries to understand what you're saying, like converts the audio waveform into words, right? Or at least tries to. And then at some point it's trying to understand well, what do those words mean? And tries to understand what you're intending and then generate some sort of response back. And they're actually two different things, right? There's the text-to-speech and the speech-to-text and natural language processing, and then there's the whole natural language understanding. And we're like, well, that's the part we care about the most, because we know that these devices are getting better at understanding what we're saying, right? Right. And so we actually decided that we weren't going to test it on its ability to understand what the human was saying. So to take away any ambiguity with this benchmark and to make sure every Everything was fair, we ended up using a voice generator. And we did that with last year's benchmark as well. We think it worked really well, so we did it again. So just to back up a little bit here, what we're talking about is that last year we put together a benchmark where we ask in a series of 11 sets of questions, roughly 10 questions each, we ask these voice assistants using a voice generator to avoid accents and variable pitch or whatever. We ask a series of questions in a bunch of different categories. And what we try to ascertain here, rather than the quality of the natural language processing, we're trying to basically figure out Are these systems actually intelligent? Assuming that like, maybe even if we just typed in the question so that we take all of the variability of like, did it understand the waveform? Even if you did that, can the system actually understand what you're trying to ask and provide an answer? And that's what we wanted to test was the intelligence behind the voice assistants, which actually aren't the devices themselves at all. It's actually the cloud-based AI systems that power these devices and the other things that are from these organizations. Right. So this year we expanded the benchmark a little and we asked 12 sets of questions for 120 questions total. 144 because we had a couple of part A and part B, but but roughly. About 120 to 140. (laughs) 144, right? And in that, we tested four voice assistants, which we found are the most popular. That's why we tested them. So it's Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, Google Home, Apple Siri, and Microsoft Cortana. And we wanted to ask the question and get the answer to just how intelligent is the AI backend? Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, yeah, that's really what we're testing. And so these questions really get to, and we'll talk about the different kinds of questions that we were asking and what we were trying to get from them. It's not like we really wanted to know how many donuts are there in a box of a dozen donuts. I think it's sort of like, that's something you ask a three-year-old and they should hopefully give you an answer. Well, that, that. might be a little hard for a three-year-old. <laughs> Maybe like a 
seven-year-old. But the idea is like, what you really want to know is, can these systems take apart the question and understand, first of all, what is it that you're asking about? Right. Okay, how many? Okay, so it's asking for a quantity. And then you have to listen to the rest of the sentence and realize that you're, it's something in the sentence you're asking for. And it turns out that's actually kind of a hard thing to do because, first of all, you can't program that because of the literally infinite number of ways that people can combine words together. So it has to be machine learning. There has to be a machine learning answer to this, right? That's as for those of you that follow our podcast, machine learning is a way of teaching computers what to do through examples and data and not through programming, right? The fastest definition of machine learning you'll hear anywhere. But so we're actually really testing those machine learning models. That's what we're really trying to figure out, right? Right. And so that's why we wanted to make sure that the voice didn't matter. And so we were testing that. So with that, maybe we'll share some of the key findings. Mm -hmm. And then so with last year's benchmark, if anybody saw it and tracked it, we found that each device, each assistant was good at different types of questions. Google Home was better in the kitchen and Alexa. We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. And Alexa was better with other types of questions, and Siri was better with other types of questions. So we wanted to test to see, A, is that still the case? And then B, how far have they come since last year as well? So maybe just going back to last year just for a second here. So as we mentioned before, if you, and this is public information, you can find this on our website and actually was featured in a number of publications in various places as well. We basically tracked what percentage of the responses that they gave were basically good enough, right? And actually, we sort of changed the methodology a little bit between this year and last year. Last year, we just counted the number of responses. And what we did is we put the responses into categories so we can kind of understand because, you know, Obviously, these voice assistants can respond in any of a number of ways. So it goes between category zero and category three. Just like everything in AI, it starts from zero, which is like not intelligent, to three, which is supposedly the most intelligent. So a category zero response are those responses where the voice assistant either just would not answer at all, refused to answer, said, I don't understand the question, or it defaulted to like what it does when it doesn't understand anything. Like, here's a search for blah, 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 blah. I don't know what that is, but hey, human, figure it out. That's a category zero response. So then we have category one, right? So category one are responses that are just irrelevant, like as Kathleen was mentioning, talking about the random thing or incorrect, like just missed the sentence and just got the wrong part of it. Or this is kind of where we were on the fence. Like sometimes understands just gave the wrong answer as a fact, but actually that's a good answer because it just somebody put in bad data in the database, but it actually did answer your question with with an answer that it thought was correct, right? That's where sometimes a, a category one response will become a different category response. So category two are those responses where the machine does provide a response that is relevant. So mm-hmm. it's not category one, but it's like this word salad. We call it where it's like, okay, human, you have it, it kind of answered in there, but maybe it didn't. So you have to actually have enough intelligence yourself 
to figure out what is the right answer. Yeah, it has a long list or a long response and you need to decipher the, you know, and kind of guess what the right answer should be. So if you have some knowledge on the subject, then you can guess mm-hmm. that. But if you don't have knowledge on the subject, it's honestly not really a right, useful not answer. Helpful, right. And then, of course, category three answers are like, all are on the spot. They're yeah. Like, yeah. These were exactly... Provided the correct answer right. with no default to a search or needs the human to do any interpretation. So it was category three is what we're looking for. Yeah. And most of the time. Sometimes what we want in our questions is we actually want a category zero because we're saying, I'm going to give you gibberish or something that you're not supposed to answer and don't give me an answer because if you give me an answer, that shows that you're not really paying attention. And that you'll see was mostly in our calibration questions. And so we started with calibration questions because we wanted to make sure that everything was working as it should and that it got questions right that it should, like what is the time, what is the weather? And then it, like Ron Mm -hmm. said, got questions wrong that it should have got wrong, like what is dog plus taco plus cat or something (laughs) like that. that. Yeah. As mentioned, so last year, the voice assistants did as a whole poorly, right? If this was kindergarten or first grade, they'd be asked to repeat the grade, right? So they did did very, (laughs) very poorly. You know, Alexa only got 25 out of 100 category three responses, which was actually the most, which is 25%. And then Google kind of got 19 out of 100 and Siri got 13 and Cortana got 10. So 10%, 13%, 25% of the questions, the non-calibration questions, which is how we measured it last year. Mm -hmm. They got category three responses, which we said like it was really a failing grade and not very good at all. So this year we decided to retest them and add a couple more categories. And we'll walk through what those categories are and we'll tell you if we can hold the suspense, how well they did overall and how it compared to last year. So as Kathleen mentioned, you know, one of the first categories of questions we ask are just calibration questions just to make sure that our whole test setup is working. The other thing we do, by the way, is we we video record everything. Mm -hmm. We record all of the questions being asked and all the responses and and also the the caption that shows what our score is. So that way no one can say, hey, you know, that you, you just asked it wrong or... Somebody had a thick accent or something. You know, they right. can't accuse us of that, right? And they also can't accuse us of lying or falsifying these. Because I know last year we had a few, actually in the calibration questions, we had a few answers that we were very surprised with. And I know some of the vendors were where uh, Microsoft Cortana did not answer what is 10 plus 10 correctly. But we had it on video. And so they said that their engineers weren't being able to recreate what we had, but we had it on video. And so they were able to see maybe there was some sensitivity mm-hmm. in something there. Right, because we had changed. What we did is we asked it twice with two different Amazon Poly sounds, and it got it once and didn't get it the other time. So clearly, there was a, an issue with natural language processing that may not have to do with the back end intelligence, but we called out to it. So this year, maybe we'll do the results kind of iteratively. Yeah, that's what category. I was thinking. Okay, let's do that. So this year, we asked 10 calibration questions, and we basically what we did is, in addition to just counting how many they got right by category, we also said, well, were these answers adequate? Meaning, adequate meaning like we were expecting a category three, we got a category three, that makes it adequate. We were expecting category zero, we got a category zero, that was adequate. We were expecting category zero, and we got a category three, even if we say that's not adequate. It should not be giving what is dog plus sock minus taco should not be talking about tacos because it should say, I'm sorry, I don't understand that because you, nobody can understand. If you went up to a human, you go, <laughs> yeah. dog plus sock minus taco, you'll be like, oh, are you talking? No, no a human wouldn't, wouldn't engage in a conversation like that. And the point is to see how intelligent they are with humans. So right. how did we do on this this year? So this year, Alexa and Siri both got 10 adequate answers. Google followed with nine and Cortana with mm-hmm. eight. And this is out of 10. So we're going to share at the high level 
how these voice assistants are doing. If you want the details, including the specifics for each question and which questions they got right and which questions they got wrong, we definitely encourage you to get a copy of the report itself, which has all the details on it. But I think we would like to summarize maybe at the high level how they did and just some of the notable things, because these things are in our executive summary. You can read about these. And I think basically what we noticed is that this time around, the voice assistants actually did a decent job of understanding these things. The only one place that we noticed a consistent problem was in Microsoft Cortana with issues around units, including kilometers and things like that. So something to be aware of. Okay, let's sort of move on to the next category here, and then we'll kind of give you a final score at the end. (laughs) Okay, so then the next one that we did was understanding concept questions. Because, you know, when people use these devices, they want to be able to understand this versus that, or how much, you know, to convert a unit of measurement, if you're going to need things, stuff like that. So we wanted to make sure that these were actually providing adequate answers for Mm -hmm. concept questions. And, you know, here again, Alexa and Siri actually did pretty well. I Mm -hmm. mean, six out of 10 for those. And you could see the other results that Google, actually Cortana did really poorly in this category. We were asked things like, you know, how much does a ton of peas weigh? You know, which is kind of like you would think would be easy, but it's actually hard. How much does a ton of peas weigh is a tricky question for almost all the voice assistants, except for one. And we'll kind of leave you to figure out which one actually did a good job in our report. But but we did ask that question. It looks like compared to last year, we'll talk a little bit about this, that these voice assistant companies have been working on their knowledge graphs. Oh, yeah. We know for sure that all of them have been working on their knowledge graphs. And that's why we, that's another reason that we do this benchmark, because it's a really great way to see it in action. So what we decided between last year and this year, was that we were, A, going to change the questions, but keep the overall categories the same. So, but we just didn't want them to hard program the questions and make sure that these systems, like these backends were actually learning. And then the second thing that we did was we added a few different categories of questions because we thought that it was useful to show the evolution of these backends. And one of the things I might do here is just sort of, we have some of these clips. You can go to YouTube. We actually have a a channel here. You can actually see us asking some of these interesting questions. And I want to play, I think what I might do here is might play a couple of these videos here. Some of these systems really do interestingly inconsistent. So here's Alexa, for example, trying to answer the question of, is a kilo a unit of measurement? Alexa, is a kilo a unit of measurement? No, 2.2 pounds is not a unit of measurement. Alexa, is a kilogram a unit of measurement? Alexa, is a kilogram a unit of measurement? Yes. The kilogram is the base unit of mass in the metric system, formerly the international system of units, having the unit symbol kg. It is a widely used measure in science. Okay. So what you can see is clearly there's some difference. Why? You're yeah, have to between ask. kilo and kilogram. <laughs> You're going to have to ask Amazon that question. The first voice also sounded a little like a monster. But <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it doesn't. The reason why we play multiple voices is sometimes, if you notice in that last one, didn't pick up on the second thing. So we'll show that it's the iteration of it to show that we are trying multiple times. And we don't just try it once and be like, well, it didn't respond. So we do try a couple times on that. So that was just an example of one of the concept understanders. Does it understand the concept? So the next general category is understanding comparisons. We're like, okay, well, if you can understand a concept, can you take this understanding and 
and compare two things together and come up with the right answer. So we have a bunch of things here. And of course, this is a lot harder. This is a lot harder to compare things like, you know, what's bigger, an elephant or a fly or what's the question? Like, what's, yeah, a fly or an elephant, you know, what's heavier, the baseball or the earth? You know, these are things that humans can do pretty well. The differences, though, are pretty stark in this category. And I would say just just to reveal a little bit, Alexa did particularly well here. Mm -hmm. And and the rest of them did did not. not. And so, you know, if I can find an interesting video here to showcase sort of like some of these differences. Once again, these are public. So if I can showcase a difference here between in comparisons, for example, which is bigger, the Earth or Jupiter? Here's us asking Siri, Google and Alexa. Which is bigger, the Earth or Jupiter? Jupiter has an area of 23,714,8476 square miles. Hey Google, which is bigger, the Earth or Jupiter? On the website universetoday.com, they say, Jupiter has 317.8 times the mass of the Earth. Even though Jupiter is an enormous, massive planet, it's much smaller than the Sun. Cortana, which is bigger, the Earth or Jupiter? According to universetoday.com, Jupiter's diameter is 11.2 times larger than Earth. Quarter Jupiter. It's Alexa. Jupiter is bigger. The diameter of Earth is 7,918 miles and the diameter of Jupiter is 88,846 miles. So I just want to point out this again for our podcast listeners. This is what's, that's an authoritative response. You ask all these devices, what's bigger, Earth or Jupiter? Apple series says, hey, Jupiter's this big. Doesn't answer anything about the Earth. Google comes back with a word salad that says, hey, Jupiter is this big and the Earth is this big. But you have to remember those numbers and you have to figure, it's like, okay, which one's yeah. bigger? And those are huge numbers to remember. Cortana goes, Jupiter is 11 times the size of the Earth. Okay, great. Now we're getting close to the right answer. And then Alexa just straight out answers. It goes, Jupiter. And this is why. I'm like, that is mm-hmm. a perfect response in this category. Now, I don't, we're going to come later. Like, Alexa doesn't get everything right. But this is just a good example of how these voice assistants should respond. So if this right. is your kid asking a question, give me this or this, you should say, well, this and this is why. And this is why we like to have the videos and show them side by side with how they answer each question because they don't all answer it the same. And when you are able to actually compare it one right after the other, you get to really see Mm -hmm. the differences. Yeah. So moving ahead, I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about the categories. I think we'll sort of get to the end here because we could spend a long time on all this. And a lot of these videos are online, so you can see them in various different categories and some interesting comparisons. Mm -hmm. If you go to the Cognolytica YouTube page, which we will link to in the show notes of the podcast, they're also available if you go to the report download page on our site. So we try to also ask about cause and effect. You know, if you do this, then what happens, right? And so we ask a lot of those kinds of questions. We ask a lot of questions about that they failed very poorly for this. Oh, wow. Wow, they were terrible. <laughs> terrible. They just, these, these devices do not know, understand cause and effect. We asked a bunch of reasoning and logic questions like, you know, can I drive to Europe from Canada? You know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, how much will you earn if I give you $10 an hour and you work for five hours? You know, this is kind of like basic math That's stuff. like elementary math. Same thing Maybe here. one step up from kindergarten. One. Ron said, you know, these are like kindergarten, they'd fail. Maybe that's one step. Maybe that's like second okay, grade. First or second grade. But yeah, same thing. They all did so did poorly here. A little better than the last one, but still pretty bad. You know, Google gives a really interesting question in our video about the answer of how many donuts there are in a box of a dozen donuts. It's not the answer you might think. Yeah. <laughs> so you should go and check that out. We go into the category of usefulness, which is that think about where well, and helpfulness. how... Helpfulness, right? I mean, yeah. how are these... You think about how these voice assistants are going to be used, right? Right. And so I think, you know, oh, if it's in my kitchen counter or it's in my living room and... I don't know, the kids and I are watching 
TV and we want to get popcorn, I can say, you know, where can I get popcorn or where can I buy milk? Things like that. Also, if I am doing laundry and I need to know, you know, what type of fabrics I can put in the washing machine, those types of questions that we're asking that are real useful, you know, also about blendings of colors, stuff like that. And we thought that it was important to bring this up because these are the type of questions that people are asking these devices. And when they need to be helpful. I do want to play an interesting video here on the dryer thing because it shows in this category, Google actually still continues to shine. So something is special about the way or different about the way Google is building their models that makes them particularly useful. Alexa, should I put a wool sweater in the dryer? Sorry, I don't know that, but I do have a skill you might like. Mm-hmm. It's called Should I Wear Pants? Want to try it? Hey, Google, should I put a wool sweater in the dryer? Here's a summary from the website Cora.com. Sure, a wool sweater can be put into a drying machine. Wool sweaters are better dried lying flat so that they don't stretch under their own increased weight while wet and then get their stretch shape fixed into them as they dry. Cortana, should I put a wool sweater in the dryer? According to Hunker.com, wool and wool blends should never be put in the dryer. The heat and friction of the dryer can cause the fabric to shrink. Even if you use air fluff wool in the dryer, they can quickly and easily lose their shape because wet wool fabrics are even more prone. Okay, so we cut that. First of all, I would say Alexa couldn't answer this at all. Right. Siri didn't answer. I didn't put this up. Siri did not answer this question. And Google and Cortana answered with authority, but they disagreed. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes to show a little so bit. It goes to show a little bit about how they are training their data models, and maybe you go back and kind of figure out exactly how they train their data models. But that was a good insight. So let's sort of keep motoring on here a little bit. We also asked a lot of questions about emotional IQ, and we know that these systems lack emotion, and so that's why we thought it was important to ask this. You know, should I send a congratulations notice when my friend has a baby? Or we asked questions like that last year as well. And they did pretty terrible last year and they didn't do much better this year either. Right. And we asked that because sometimes a skill will be more or less appropriate given a particular emotion. It doesn't need to have emotions, but it needs to be aware of emotions right. and sentiment and things like that, right? Right. Which machines are supposed to be good at sentiment analysis. They so. are. Then the next category that we asked was intuition and common sense. And this was not a great category last year, and it still was a pretty terrible (laughs) category this year. Two of them, Alexa and Siri, didn't even get one correct. And Google and Cortana did, but the question that they got correct was... It's a very straightforward one. I mean, like, what do you do if there's a... We have the video for this where you can look on the YouTube channel where what do you do if there's a fire in the house? We wanted to show this because it's like, that's something that should be a gimme. They should all get that one. Yeah. All the... (laughs) Although Google gives, again, interesting result here, which may or may not be culturally irrelevant. The next category is what we call Winograd Schema, which we know in advance, the Winograd Schema, is a very is a particular way of asking a question to test conversational system intelligence. And we know that these systems cannot handle it because it's a very complicated thing. So mm-hmm. for example, it would be the man couldn't lift his son because he was so weak. Who was weak, the man or his son? So obviously, one, you have to understand the sentence. You have to understand the second sentence refers to the first sentence and which part of that sentence. And then you have to actually do a little bit of logic to say, well, who couldn't lift who? And, you know, the man couldn't lift his son. That should be an answer to you for that question. So you have to be able to take apart the sentence. Although we were being generous. And if they came back with either the man or the son, we were going to deem right. that a correct answer. Right. Exactly. It's like, like well, it, it understood the sentence and chopped 
chopped it up and it gave a relevant answer, yeah. even if it was an incorrect answer, we would have scored. But they can't even get that. They're, they're most of them go like, huh? What are you trying to say? The only time they ever muster any sort of response is when they, when they said like, are you trying to call George on the phone? Which of course is a category one answer, which is irrelevant. So nobody <laughs> oh, that one well. was so silly. <laughs> and then one of them, we had one question that we thought was a gimme. How do I protect myself from rain? And Google Home was actually able to get that. Surprisingly, the only one that was able to get yeah. that. I think we might move that question into helpfulness category. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. And just keep this all winning grand schema so they can all do fantastically poorly at this <laughs> one. Uh, we do ask a lot of questions about slang and colloquialisms just to see if how good, again, their knowledge base is. Have they been trained in things like thumbs up and out in left field and things like that? And we change them up all the time. Because that is how people talk. And so if you're using that in part of your question, then, you know, you hope that these systems will be able to understand what you're saying. Some interesting surprises here as well that some of the appliances do better here than you might ex- not expect. So some interesting training that's going on here with some of these systems. Mm-hmm. We do ask a lot of sort of general questions, miscellaneous questions. The only thing that's really interesting is we ask this question about how old this is also on our on the videos of how old would Thomas Jefferson be if he was alive today? And only Alexa gets this one. And it does it again with authority, which sort of indicates that there is some difference in the sorts of questions they're asking, because it can pick up that you're asking about this person. You're asking how old if if they were alive today. And it's coming back and it's giving you an actual answer. I would say kudos to Amazon for figuring that thing out and untying that knot. So it does well here. And the two categories we ask now that we didn't ask last time were deductive reasoning questions, where you had to basically basically try to deduce an answer based on knowing something else. For example, do people who graduate colleges get degrees? right? I mean, that is a deduction, right? It's like, well, if they graduate from a college and if a college grants degrees, therefore college graduates should get degrees, right? That should be correct. Is non-fat milk dairy? You know, (laughs) these are kind of fun questions. Um, (laughs) You know, once again, you know, this is kind of an area where some voices shine and some totally bomb, you know, that's like a real distinction, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them bomb, you know, some devices that you might not think would bomb did here, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And the last category is we call entity resolution, which is, can the device figure out what you're talking about? And what we do is like, this is where we have a lot of part A and part B questions, because one will ask a question in a very straightforward way. Like, for example, how tall is George Washington? That's not an entity question. That's just like, you're asking for a fact and about this person. A fact. But what we'll do is you, we will reverse that question and see if it could pick up the reverse, which is, is George Washington six foot two tall? And it should come back with a yes or a no, not with George Washington was six foot two tall. And of course, when it gets it right in one situation, it doesn't, a lot of them get, do not get it right in one, in one situation with a surprising exception. One of the devices here does manage to get this right and actually ends up having a pretty decent score in this entity resolution section. Mm-hmm. And I think sort of bumps it up a little bit. When we talk about the total results, we'll give you an analysis as to, as to what we think is happening behind the scenes. But those are basically all the questions, about 12 categories, about 144 questions all together. Mm-hmm. And here's sort of how they did all in all, right? So overall, they still didn't do great, but they did better than last year. So that means that they are learning and improving over time, which is great. And that's the goal of this. So that was the positive. But overall, Alexa did the best again with 34.7% of adequate responses. Right. So 50 out of 100, it answered adequately, right? So a category three was supposed to be a category three or a category zero if it was supposed to be a category zero. 50 out of the 144, right? It's not a passing grade, but still 
still better than but it's 25 better than out of 100. Last year. Yeah, exactly. Google came in with a very, very close second with 34% yeah. of adequate. That's 49 out of 100. So only one question different yeah. in response. Yeah, which is Very close. Uh, about even. Basically tie. Yeah. yeah. And then Cortana came in third. With very, also pretty close. Yeah, at 31.9% adequate answers. 46 out of 144. Only a four question difference between Amazon and Cortana. Yeah, and that really surprised us because last year they did terrible. They had 10%. So they are really, really working on their back end. Yeah, they were the worst of the group last year. And now they were, you know, a very close number three. And then Siri was number four with 24.3% adequate responses. 35 out of 144, still doing pretty poorly. I mean, better than before. I think it was like 10 or 13% last year. So 24 versus 13% is a big improvement. And I think we can sort of generalize a little bit. We started to see what's happening here. So first and foremost, I actually want to talk about one of the big surprises, which is Cortana. And Cortana's had a big improvement. Its devices have gotten intelligent. We've actually played a couple of videos just now, the wool question, some of the other questions where it's like spot on. It's Mm -hmm. spot on like Jupiter. And it's getting these answers right which means that they've added something. Maybe they finally loaded all of Bing into it or something. They've, they've added, maybe they hired a whole bunch of people and they put like a whole bunch of people working these knowledge graphs. And if you recall, a knowledge graph, if you're not familiar what it is, is that it's not just like the meanings of terms like cat and dog and things like that. It's like the relationship of words to other words and understanding concepts to say, oh, a cat is an animal. An animal lives, an animal eats, an animal sleeps, you know, things like that. So you can ask questions in that category, that ontology, which are the relationships between words to other words, and it'll be able to use that knowledge graph, which has to be built by people. Right. That's the thing, because machines can't automatically do this yet. And so this is where they've obviously been putting their time and effort. All these companies, Microsoft, Alexa, and Google have all been putting in, and Apple too, I don't want to downplay Apple, but they've been putting time into it. But you can tell where they've been putting more of their time into it. Right. And Cortana does really well on the entity resolution stuff. That's actually where they really shine. They're like, yep, you're talking about this. I can answer these questions in a very straightforward way. Alexa continues to do well overall, just Mm -hmm. in general. Like, you know, if you look at kind of where it's getting things right, where it's getting things wrong, it's just generally on average. Generally good. I mean, there was a few categories that it just bombed totally, but then there was, you know, it got more questions right Mm -hmm. than anybody else. Google seems to be doing very well, but it's getting a lot of its information from third parties. If you sort of listen to the answers, they'll say, I found this on Quora, or I found this or on according Wikipedia. to Right. According to this website, according to Wetzel. And it's correct. So it's able to understand the question and find the correct source, which is great. But it's clearly tapping. You can tell that it's tapping into a lot of these third-party uh, providers to provide answers. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're not. I mean, just to sort of like give you a hint in the question about what should I do in the fire in the house, it gives you the right answer. But it gives you the answers from England. And therefore, the number that it asks you to call in right. case of emergency is the wrong one if you're in the United States. Yeah. And it was interesting that that was what it said, because it gave a pretty long answer mm-hmm. that you'll be able to see. And it's like, you know, if there's a fire, leave and then call this emergency number. And so in the United States, it's 911. But the number that they gave was All right. Now, All right, right, now you want to play it. Now okay. I want to play it. So here, so here it is. So this is the actual response to this is question IN7, which is intuition questions. <laughs> intuition question number seven, which is what do I do if there's a fire in the house? I'll play Alexa, Siri, Google and Cortana. Alexa, what do I do if there's a fire in the house? Hmm, I don't know that one. Alexa, what do I do if there's a fire in the house? Sorry, I'm not sure. What do I do if there's a fire in the house? This is asked to Siri now. It defaults to Here's a search. Here's what I found. 
Yes. Here is some information from the web that might possibly help. On the website suffolk.gov.uk, they say, steps to take if there's a fire in your home, including what to do if your planned escape route is blocked. If a fire starts in your house, get out, stay out and dial 999 and ask for the fire and rescue service. If you call 999 give the operator your full address. This is organized crime. Cortana, what do I do if there's a fire in the house? According to sharecare.com, if there is a fire in your house, do the following. Check the door. If it's hot, step away. Smoke or fire, close it. To slow the smoke sentry, the near the ceiling and the air is clearer. Okay, that was a kind of weird muddled response there near the end, Cortana. But Cortana kind of got it right, and Google kind of also got it right, but the wrong country. So I'm probably not going to call 999-GIVE or whatever if I'm... Or I think it was called 999 and then give. give your address, but she like... <laughs> Parse that weird. Yeah, another thing you'll hear here is this is one of the quirks of Cortana, and I think we'll kind of wrap this podcast up in a little bit as well. Is that Cortana would tend to give what we call word salad, which is that it'll just it might give you the right answer, but then it just keeps going and then keeps going, and then it just kind of gets into like, okay, now you're just stringing words together, and I'm not sure. Like you had a good Cortana, why did you why did you keep talking? It's like (laughs) feel the door, step back, and then it goes smoke sentry. Blah. I'm like, what is going on now? It's like someone scraped a little too much of a website, right? It feels like it feels like web scraping. And that is probably what a lot of what's happening here. And there's a little bit of an insight to this voice assistant benchmark is that there are humans in the loop here. There are humans that are helping make these systems more intelligent. And actually, some of these vendors have gotten into some trouble trouble because of that, right? Trouble, hot water. There's been some press lately about two in particular. I think Amazon Alexa's that came out a while ago, but then Apple was recently in the news that they have humans listening to parts of conversations. And that wasn't fully disclosed to the users. Right. Now, we think that technically there's this makes a lot of sense. It makes you want you need humans in the loop to basically know when these systems are not responding. So you're like, oh, okay, the system has to respond to that because for any sort of supervised learning, which we talk about in a lot of our podcasts, is you need humans to give well-labeled trained data into the system. Say, okay, this is this and this is that. Or like, oops, there's a problem with our knowledge graph. We got to fix that. And so you need the humans to listen to it because the machine is already listening to it and it's doing a bad job. So you can't have the machine listen to it again. That's not going to do you any good. So you got to have to have a human in there. The issue, of course, is disclosure. If it told you before you answered a question to be like, do you acknowledge that a human may, just like when you call into a lot of call centers and say this call uh, may be recorded recorded for quality quality assurance purposes, it might say like you acknowledge that when you talk to our device, a human might listen to any or all or part or some of your conversations, right? And there may need to be more disclosure, more of like, yes, I agree to it. And then supposedly now you can remove that feature, I think, from Alexa. And so I tried to do it, but you have to log into your system to do it. So you can't do it through the voice commands, which is annoying. Right. So so we're here in this iterative state. I think for the purpose of this benchmark, we'd like to say we've seen dramatic improvement. We're going to do another iteration of this benchmark regularly. We'll sort of figure out what that means regularly, but definitely regularly. At least yearly. Yeah. And it's a process. And if you're interested in digging deeper, we encourage you to look at it. There have been other benchmarks. We are not the only group doing a benchmark on these voice assistants, but a lot of them are testing other things, which is like, how useful are the skills, you know, that it can book a reservation and book a flight. 
we don't worry about that because the developer ecosystem continues to build more and more skills. I'm sure if there are no skills today, someone's going to find a gap and fill it and do it tomorrow. Also, we're not testing the speech recognition. We know that these systems get better at learning speech and understanding what you're saying. We are testing legit. We're trying to test the intelligence. We think we're doing a decent enough job because some of these other benchmarks have come back with like 99 and 98% accuracy. Oh yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, like if you spend any time talking to these devices, you know that they're not giving you 98, 99% accuracy, right? So what is the problem? Well, it's not the voice, the natural language under the processing part. It's the understanding part, right? Right. So listeners, we will post a link to this benchmark in case you'd like to see the results. For all of our subscribing clients, this is free as part of your subscription. If you'd like to purchase it, it's $9.95. And I'll make sure to post that in the show notes. And we'll also be promoting it on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So thanks for listening. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.